greetings, beloved, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm excited, I'm expectant. Every time when we come together like this, the Lord always has something special for each one of us. And he meets each one of us at our point of need. Last week we started talking about my house shall be called the house of prayer, and we're going to continue with that. But I just want to start with this introduction today. Just um, Have you ever noticed that our bodies don't like praying as a routine? When you want to start praying, the body feels somehow. So we've got to start saying, Lord, if the Lord wants us to pray, then we've got to get a motivation from the Lord. So, and I believe that if we are taught right about prayer, we are going to be excited to pray, even if the body may not like it, but we know the benefits thereof. Because look at prayer time as a time of fellowship with the Father. Look at it also as a time of discussing some issues with the Father. Don't you have some issues that you just want to share with the Father? You know that many people want many people to share with, and some of the people are not going to help you. But if you use prayer time as a time just to share some issues with the Father, I've got these issues, whether it concerns you or somebody else, but you just want to discuss this with the Father. See prayer time also as a time of hearing from God, hearing from the Father. Many times we rush into things, we take decisions without consulting with the Father, and we live with the consequences of our bad decisions. But if we had just consulted with the Father and know what the Father's plan is and what the Father's will is, for a particular situation, our lives would always be victorious. Amen? And I want you also to have this assurance when you pray that God hears me. So I'm encouraged to pray because I know when I speak to God, He hears me. He listens to me. So if I see anything out there, then I will say, I will go and sort it with my Father. And our Father is the Almighty God. He can do anything. Because you see, people who are politically connected, usually they will pride themselves to have a close ear of maybe somebody who is political, a political figure. They know, okay, if I go and report this, they will sort you and things will be sorted. But we have the Heavenly Father who has ear for us, who wants to listen to us, who wants to hear from us, and therefore we should be encouraged to take this time to pray, knowing that when we pray, He hears us. Let's start with 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. So I'll just recap a little bit so that we link it with what we're going to talk about today. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, NIV. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You see that? God hears me. Can you tell your neighbor, God hears me? So I have reasons to pray. So I have reasons to pray. Tell them. So I have reasons to pray. I mean, if, if I've got an audience with the Father, why can't I use that opportunity? Why can't I use that privilege? And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. In other words, if we know that he hears us, we've already received what we asked of him. So that's why we are now talking about my house shall be called a house of prayer because we know why we need to pray. 
Now, let's go to that Mark eleven seventeen New King James Version. Uh, Mr. MJ, you can do Mark eleven seventeen New King James Version. I will do Matthew twenty one thirteen in NLT. So that you can then understand that if we say the Father wants us to approach him, we've got to be prayerful people. Amen. And some of you say, I don't know how to pray. It's not long that I've been in the Lord. What do I say to God? As we are sharing, you will start seeing that actually prayer is just communication with God. It's not about the eloquence of words, eloquence of speech. Because is that not how you also relate with your children? You don't give them things because they are eloquent. You give them things because there is a relationship between you and them. Amen. And that's what the father wants also to hear from you. So Matthew, you can do Mark eleven seventeen, Mr. King, uh, uh, Mr. MJ on the New King James Version. Then he taught them, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you've turned into a den of thieves. Matthew 21, 13 NLT. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer. But you've turned it into a den of thieves. So in other words, they were not using the house of the Lord as the house of prayer. So, but we said... If it says my temple will be called a house of prayer, did you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Let's go together to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20 NIV. So we are going to say, we said the first part about my prayer, my house shall be called the house of prayer. It's about your body being called a house of prayer because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And we said the second part about my house shall be called a house of prayer is the house where you stay. And the third part about the house of prayer, we said, is the temple of the Lord as the building, as the church. Amen. So let's start with this one. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 NIV. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Did you get that? So it means I will use my body to honor God with. I will use my body to pray. So I want you to ask your neighbor. Okay, we need to have neighbors. I don't have a neighbor, but that's fine. So I will speak to the air. And, and, and you must speak to your neighbor. Ask your neighbor. You can point them and say to them, how much prayer is made in this temple? The temple talking about their body. Amen. Because if this is the temple of the Holy Ghost and God said my temple shall be called the house of prayer, how much prayer is made in this temple? So for me, as the Lord was teaching me this and revealing more about this to me, it, it stepped up my prayer life. I know I've been praying fervently and diligently and all that, but since the Lord revealed this message to me, I've stepped up another gear. We're keeping on growing. And I want this to be a challenge to you also. To say how much prayers are made in this house. Because the Lord says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But other people attend it into the den of thieves. So there are many things that this house can be used for beside prayer. 
But the Lord says, that body, I claim that body as my own. You are not your own. I've bought you at a price. So that's the first part. And we said the second part about my house shall be called the house of prayer is the houses where we stay. Our houses, our homes. Other people's homes and houses are used for parties and gigs. You can use yours as a house of prayer. And if you use your house as a house of prayer, the advantage is that you are creating a godly atmosphere in your home. And therefore, the blessing, there are some blessings that just become because of the atmosphere that you've created. I want us to look at the Second Samuel 6, 11 and 12, NIV, Mr. MJ. Second Samuel 6, 11 and 12, NIV. You will see that when the presence of God is in a place, the blessing of the Lord comes. So therefore, just like your house can be used for many things and you create an ungodly environment. I told you about the, the, the ghost houses where it might be a mansion, a very good house, but you can't enjoy sleeping there because you have made it a den of thieves. You've allowed other spirits to come in there and infiltrate. But we can make our houses houses of prayer like when the presence of God was in the house of Obed-Edom. 2 Samuel 6, 11 and 12. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. Okay, so you see that there the ark of the Lord remained in the house. Mm. So there we are talking about the house, house. of Obed-Edom for three months. Mm. So when the house, the ark of the Lord, the presence of God was in the house of Obed-Edom, what happened? And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Mm. Why? Now, King David was told, hmm. the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and everything he has. Why? Because of the ark of God. Amen. Hmm. So the blessing came to the house of Obed-Edom because of the ark, because of the presence of God in that place. So your, your house can be blessed and you have blessings. Things just working out well because you have created a godly environment for your house. So he says, my house shall be called the house of prayer. So I can then create a godly environment for my house. And we said to you, if your body is praying, if you are a prayerful pe person and you are praying in this body, and you, may, you pray also in your home, it will be easy to pray in church. Because that is just overflowing. So if we say we've got intercessions, we've got prayer meetings in church, you will be excited. Because it's a flow, an overflow of what you were doing from home. So why you would struggle to pray with the rest of the other people in church, it's because you were not praying in, at home in your own private life. Amen. So today I want us to talk about, we reflect then on praying in church, the church of God being called the house of prayer, not just my body, not just my home, but also the church. So let's go together, Second Chronicles. Chapter 7, verse 12 to 16, I will read in the New King James Version. Yet it was the time after Solomon had built the house of the Lord, the temple of God, and he dedicated it to, to God. And I want you to see how God responds to the prayers made. And he sanctifies, he says, I choose this place as a house for my sacrifice. 
And I want to answer all prayers that are made in this place. So it means there are some prayers that God wants to, to answer in the church here. Amen. You will see from the scripture I'm going to share with you. So there are some prayers that God wants to answer in the church here. So we are going to pray. We are going to be a prayerful church and see God answering some of our prayers that we made in this place. Second Chronicles chapter 7, 12 to 16 New King James Version it says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place. I want you to get that. I have chosen this place. He's talking about a place now. Okay? I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. We talked about the house of prayer. So he says, I have chosen this place as a house of sacrifice, but it's my place. When I shut up the heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. So are you a person of God? Okay? If you are going to humble yourself and pray and seek his face and turn from your wicked ways, he says, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. So God wants to hear from us. He wants to hear from his people. So you need to pray. I need to pray. But look at verse 15. Now my eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to prayer made where? Prayer made where? In this place. Can we say the Lord's eyes are open and his ears are attentive to the prayer made in this place. So we are going to pray as a church. Say that. So we are going to pray as a church. Because if he says, I'm going to listen, I've put my name there. And I want to listen to the prayers that are made in this place. We talked about your body being the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's fine. That's prayer you make yourself. There are prayers you make in your homes for your house to be the house of prayer. But he also talked about his temple, the building, this church, as the house of prayer. And he says, I want to listen to prayers that are made in this place. Why? For I have chosen and sanctified this house. You see the house of prayer? I've sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. You get that? So he says, the prayers that are made in this place, I want to hear them. I want to answer them. So, If God wants to answer my prayers when I pray myself separately as a person and also when I pray in my house and also when I pray in the church, then I will be encouraged to pray. So today I want us also to focus on the boldness that we have when we have to pray. The confidence that we have when we have to pray. You see, if you are going to pray, understanding prayer, then you're going to speak with God with boldness. You are going to speak with people with boldness if you are a prayerful person. You see, you know, there is this saying that says, if you kneel before God, you can stand before any man. Amen? Some of you are not kneeling enough before God. That's why you can't stand before anybody. 
Amen. So we need to kneel before God and spend time with God that when we approach things out there, we will approach them with boldness. You remember last time I told you about the fact that if you take prayer as a time to sort issues with God, so if I go and sort an issue with God, when I come here before you, I'm just declaring the things that I've already sorted with the Father. Then I've got boldness. I told you the things that happened behind the scenes. For me, even when I pray for the services, sometimes I even ask the Father to show me the format of the service, what we need to do in the service. So it means if I'm going to do anything, whether maybe I'm going to pray for people or I'm going to do that, and it's a rehearsal of what I've already sorted with the Father, then I do it with boldness. Amen. I want to get to give you two examples. I touched on them last week. Let's go to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 18, 22 to 39. So this is also a good story for Sunday school. Sunday school, we also have a good story here for you guys. The story about Elijah. And he was praying. Elijah was praying. But during his time, people were also worshipping other gods. It was not different from the time we are living in. Okay? You will hear everybody saying, my religion is my own matter. Leave me alone. And in South Africa at the moment, we are expected to respect all religions, isn't it? Because they all look the same. Can I repeat? We are expected to respect all religions. Why? Because they all look the same. It means the church of God, in my view, should pray even more so that the glory of the Lord would be so much manifested in the church that people will know who is the real God. And the scriptures I'm going to share with you here, you are going to see that. So, now, let's go. 1 Kings 18, 22-39 NIV. Then Elijah said to them, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us, let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves, and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood and not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. You see, they were all supposed to pray. But now, what will be the test? Do you have it there? The God who answers by fire, he is God. So you could say the God who answers is God. But Baal doesn't answer. So it means even when you pray, don't pray like your God is Baal. A God who doesn't answer. You know some people say, I'll pray whether God answers or not. It's up to him. He's not Baal. Because this one says, and the God who answers, he is God. And we say, all oh, these other gods, they are the works of man. They can't do anything. They can't answer because they are not a God. There are people who worship them, they call them God, but we call them idols. Now, if you have to call them idols, you better have a God who answers. Okay? So he says, the God who answers by fire he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. In other words, this is fair. Isn't it? 
You know that's what we're trying to do in the current context. We try to defend that our, our religion is the right thing and our God is the right one. But it's not a thing that the world can say is fair. Here he said, if you call on your God and your God answers, then he is God. If I call on my God and my God answers, then let him be God. So this was the contest. Okay? Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull, given the, the, the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Do you know that all religions pray? They, call, they are calling on their gods. But if your God is Baal, this is what will happen to you. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response, no one answered. Okay? And if you serve the living God, don't have this experience. Because if there is no response, no one answers, it's like you are serving Baal. I want you to get this very well. Then your prayer life will change. That I serve a living God. I serve a God who hears. I serve a God who says, my eyes are upon this place and my ears are open to your prayers. And they danced around the altar they had made. Verse 27. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. You see how I was mocking them. So he says, if he's God, maybe he's sleeping, you must awake him. How many of you know that my God does not sleep, he does not slumber? So my God is always ready to listen to me. But this one's for Bali. He says, maybe he's sleeping, he must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. So you can slash yourself and bleed the best you can. If your God is not a God, there will be no response, no answer. And you can pray with simplicity. If your God is a God, he can still answer. Amen? So it's not about the effort. It's about the God whom we serve. Okay? Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for evening sacrifice. But, let's go for it together. There was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Why? Because they, they are not gods. So they cannot answer. They cannot pay attention. They cannot respond. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he prepared the altar of the Lord which he had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seers of seed. He arrayed the wood, cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Is this a good idea if you are going to make fire? It was raining recently in Cape Town, isn't it? You know how difficult it is to make fire with the wood that has been rained upon. So he says, pour water on the sacrifice, on the wood, on the everything. 
we will still call the fire and the fire will come. Okay? Then he says, do it again. He said, and they did it again. Do it again a third time, he ordered. And they did it the third time. And the water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. Now, I want to ask you a question because I want us to reflect on this together. Don't you think what Elijah was doing was very risky? I mean, the prophets of Baal tried it without any water. And now you make it very wet and you say there will be water. There will be fire. Okay? But can I tell you why he was confident and bold? Verse 36. And this is the the secret of your prayer life and of my prayer life. If you are doing anything out there because you have been talking about it with God and God has given you a green light, you can do it with confidence. Okay? The problem with many cases why you struggle is that you are saying it the first time now in front of people. You never said it to God before. You never discussed it with God. That's why now you will say, uh, make more water. And then you say, hey, you're risking. What if no fire comes? But if God has discussed this with me and he said, do it in style, my son. Let them put even some water. So that they won't say because it was hot, it was after midday, maybe then some stones were starting to, to catch heat because of the sun. Let them pour the water. Then, because the Lord has commanded me to do it this way, I've got boldness that he's going to answer. And that's verse 36. It says, At the time of the even sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God. They said, the God who answers, let him be God. So let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. And, this is the part that I want you to take. And have done all these things at your command. Do you see why he was bold? Yeah. He said, all these things that I've been doing, you commanded me to do it exactly like this. That's why I know it will work out. I gave you an example. I said, when I pray even for services, sometimes I even ask the Lord to give me a format to say what will happen and this and this and this and delay some things in my heart. So when I come to do it, then I do it with confidence because it's a rehearsal. Okay? We've already rehearsed about it. Now we're doing it practically. Okay? So he says, I've done all these things at your command. So it means if the Lord commanded him, you must tell, do, do this, do this, do this, pour the water, let them pour the water, let them do this. Do you think you can then speak with any fear? No. Then you will be bold. Because you know that we've sorted this with the Father. Now listen to this. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God. So you answer and then the people will know that you are God. Okay? So we are not trying to to defend God as if he's better than other gods if he can't answer also. You remember the story about Jerubal, Gideon, when he was to be tortured because they said he broke down the altars of Baal. And then his father said, but guys, you are undermining your God. If Baal is God, let him fight for himself. 
So I also want my God to fight for himself. I want my God to answer prayers for himself because he is God. So he said, answer me so that these people will know that you are God. So sometimes God has to show himself strong so that people around us may know that he is God. So that people around us may know that we serve a living God. So that people around us may know that it's not another religion. This is about the true and the living God who answers prayers. Now, this is what happened then. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also leaked up the water in the trench. Now, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. You see what opportunity is there for God to show himself? So go and pray. And then people will see when your God answers your prayers. May they praise God with you. May they start saying, we know that she serves the real God. She was so much in trouble or we were so much in trouble and she prayed for us and today we are safe. Her God is alive. Amen. They said the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. This was not Elijah who said they must say that. They were now saying it themselves. They have seen that he is a living God. He is able. So that's why I said because Elijah was having time with the Lord, he would be confident and bold to speak things and to do things. So for us children of God, if you want to be bold and confident, spend time with God. Then when you go out there, you will do things with boldness. Because you have the assurance from God that it will work out. You've already sorted the issue with God. You know, when you pray, pray until you have peace about the thing and you know that it's sorted. When you know it's sorted, even when you go out there and things don't seem to be aligned to what you have prayed for, you are not moved. Because you know we've sorted this with my God. And I'm not moved by what I see. I walk by faith. So, Jesus did the same thing. Let's go to John 11, 40-44, NIV. Jesus did the same thing. Why Jesus was confident in the tomb of Lazarus is because he talked to God about the matter before. Some of you, let's say you want to raise the, the dead person and you're only doing that the time you see the dead person and you didn't talk to God about it before. Then you want to have the boldness and the confidence. So I want you to look at this and see how Jesus did it. Even though Jesus was completely God, when he lived on earth, he lived like a human being. That's why the Bible would talk about Jesus being hungry, Jesus being thirsty. You remember when he said, I thirst when he was on the cross? You remember when he was hungry, when he saw the fig tree? So it means when he was on the earth, he was a human being like you and I. But he was also God. But he wanted to spend time with God. So that when he do things, he will always be doing what the Father has agreed with him. So John 11, 40-44 NIV. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Did you see that? When did God hear him? When they talked about this matter before. When he says, you have heard me, it means we talked about it. 
Okay? He says, and I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. In other words, we've already sorted this matter. I know exactly that Lazarus will rise from the dead because we talked about it. But for the sake of the people standing here, I'm going to still speak. When Jesus had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out. His hands, uh, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So, did you see that Jesus, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he did not pray the first time at the tomb of Lazarus. He said, Father, I thank you that you have had me. That's the confidence. That's the boldness you will have when you face situations. If you have already consulted with the Father about the thing and you've sorted it. Now when you talk, you talk with boldness, you talk with confidence because we've sorted it with the Father. I prayed about this and I have peace with it. I know God will do it. Or you might have received the confirmation just as peace or you might have even received an unction in your spirit where the Lord revealed to you that it is done. And you've got a confirmation that it is done. Then you've got the confidence. And Jesus never did anything on his own. He always consulted the Father. Even though he was God, he always wanted to hear what the Father's will is. And we need to do the same. John 5.30 and John 8.28 and 29. So Mr. MJ, you will do 5.30. I will do 28 and 29 in the King James, New King James Version, NKJV. John 5.30, NKJV, Mr. MJ. I will do 8.28 and 29. But the one who was... No, 5.30. New King James Version. So I will start with John 8, 28 and 29 when you are looking for 5.30. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. So he says, I only do the things that the Father has taught me. I don't do my own things. John 5.30 I can of myself do nothing. Mm. As I hear, I judge. Mm. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Do you get that? Do you see that Jesus was saying, I always consult with the Father in the things that I do. The reason why sometimes we make a lot of mistakes is because we do things on our own. And we only call God when we are now in trouble. But if you could just consult the Father at all times and depend entirely upon him. By the way, Jesus understands you very well. Jesus, when he was on the earth, he lived like you and I. He was also tempted like you and I. He went through the challenges that we are going through. He was mocked just like you and I. So it means when they mock you in your faith, it's not a new thing. Okay? Jesus talks our case before the Father. He understands us. He's our high priest who, was, who went through the same things that we are going through. So when you are going through difficulties, just know that the Lord is pleading your case for you before the Father and he knows what you are going through. 
So we were going to land with these two portions of scripture in Hebrews. So if you understand the priestly work of Jesus, taking our cases before the Father as our high priest, understanding our situations, and also making a way for us so that we can approach the throne of grace with boldness, knowing that God accepts me, God wants to listen to me. Okay, Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, AMPC, Amplified Classic. Inasmuch then as we have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of faith in him. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liabilities to the assaults of temptation. But one who has been tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sinning. I want you to first understand the work of our high priest, Jesus. It says Jesus is a high priest who understands us very well. He went through what we are going through. He knows the, 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 the sufferings and the pains of being mocked. Okay? He even knows the difficulties of praying. So when you think it's very difficult to pray, you remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane? It says as he was praying, he, his sweat was like drops of blood. And as he was praying, when he came back, he found the disciples. He found the disciples. He found the disciples sleeping, not praying. But they were supposed to be praying. So tell your neighbor, you are not the first one to sleep when you were praying. Even the disciples of Jesus did that. But we are encouraging you not to learn from the disciples of Jesus, but to learn from Jesus. You must pray. And when Jesus was praying fervently, so it means he understands the difficulties of praying fervently. So he's a high priest who pleads your case. And as you are still growing, he knows you are still growing. He knows you are still young in the Lord. And like I said, he answers your prayers not because of the eloquence of your speech. He answers you because of the relationship. It's like when you have a child, you give your child things not because they are eloquent in speech, but because they are your children, isn't it? So now, he says, Jesus is our high priest who has made a way for us. He pleads our case. Even when we pray, sometimes you pray and maybe your prayer is not well refined, your high priest refines it well for you. So therefore, when we approach the throne of God, let's approach it with boldness. Verse 16. I want you to look at this. Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace. So let's approach the throne of grace with boldness, with confidence. And it is the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor for us sinners that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, coming just when we need it. Okay? So we need the grace of God. We need the mercy of God. So when you approach the throne of grace, approach it with boldness, knowing that one, you receive grace. And grace is God's unmerited favor. But to put it simply, Grace is when God gives you things even if you don't deserve them. So in other words, God answers your prayers not because you deserve it, but because he loves you and you are his child. Then have that boldness, have that confidence 
that God answers me, I receive by grace. I've got faith in his grace that he will do it for me. Okay? Even if the devil may think I don't deserve it. Because the high priest is pleading my case. Because sometimes the devil will say, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. You keep quiet. You don't deserve it. You keep quiet. But it says, when I approach the throne of grace, I must come with boldness. Knowing that the high priest has made a way for me. My sins are forgiven. I can approach the father with boldness. The second part, he says, that we may receive mercy. Okay? So the word mercy, so we said grace is when you get things that you don't deserve. Things are too good for you. You still get them even if you don't deserve them because God loves you. But mercy is the other side of the same coin, which is God's love. Mercy says you are going to get, you are going to be denied the pain and the, the punishment that you deserve because God loves you. So you know you've done this and indeed you were supposed to be punished. You were supposed to be handled like this. God was supposed to say, I don't answer your prayers anymore. But he's so merciful. He says, you've done that, but I'm forgiving you of that. And I want you to come with boldness. I want you to come with confidence as if you have never sinned. You remember the other time when we were talking about justification? We said, just as if you have never sinned. So it means I can have boldness when I approach the throne of grace. And if you can approach the throne of grace with boldness, with confidence, you can also talk with boldness and with confidence because you know it's sorted with the Father. So I want us to land with Hebrews 4, 1 to 3 and then 7 to 10. This is about if you are a prayerful person, you will not only have confidence and boldness in prayer, but you are also going to relax and rest in God. You know, sometimes we struggle because we're trying to make things on our own. But if I rely on God, I can rest in God. Amen? If I rely on God, I can rest on God. Amen? Because I'm saying, I rely on you, Lord. Therefore, I don't have to struggle to make things work. I've got confidence in you. And this is what this scripture says. And this promise I hear is still valid today. And today that said here in the Bible is still today. Listen to this. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still remains and is freely offered today, let us fear in case any of you may seem to come short of reaching it or think he has come too late. So all of us, we can have this rest. Okay? If we now pray and we understand our relationship with God and we come to his grace and we are bold, you will start relaxing and resting. Okay, I'm so much at rest. You know I've got a lot of responsibilities with my natural secular job, with the church, the family and all that. If I was a person who was anxious and worried, I probably would be stressed. But I don't worry. I don't worry because if, if something is troubling me, Philippians 4 says, let your requests be made known unto God. It says, be anxious of nothing. By prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. 
and his peace that surpasses all human understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Why we rest in the Lord is because if I've made my request known unto God and I know my God will take care of it, then I relax. You don't relax because you are trying to make things work on your own. You don't relax because you do not have confidence in God. If you've got confidence that your God will come through for you, then you can relax and listen to this. For indeed we have had the good news of salvation preached to us just as the Israelites also. But the message they had did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith by those who had. In other words, if you don't use faith in what we're telling you today, you are not going to, to enter this rest. You are going to always to strive on your own to make things work out. But if you have confidence and trust in God, you are going to relax in faith. Verse 3. For we who believe, that is we who personally trust and confidently rely on God, enter that rest. So if you rely on God, you rest. Tell your neighbor, if you rely on God, you rest. It says, so we have his inner peace. Now because we are confident in our salvation and assured of his power. So in other words, I know my God is powerful. I know my God is able. I know my God will do it. Then I can relax. Even if things seem to be going up and down and there is this and all that, like the storms are raging, like when the disciples were in the boat and the storms were raging, Jesus relaxed in the boat. And you can have that peace, that assurance of resting even if things are raging around you. As I saw in an oath in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, he said, although his works were completed from the foundation of the world. Verse 7. He again sets a definite day, a new today. So today, we still have another chance. Providing another opportunity. That's what it means. He says, a new today, providing another opportunity to enter that rest. So we have that opportunity to enter the rest. Children of God, you can relax in your Christian walk if you depend on God. If you pray and let your requests be made known unto God. So he says, another opportunity. Where are we? Today, if you hear his voice, don't hearten your hearts. This mention of a rest was not a reference to their entering into Canaan. Because if Joshua had given them rest, God would not speak about another day or opportunity after that. So there remains a full and a complete Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has once entered his rest has also rested from the weariness and pain of his human labors. Just as God rested from those labors uniquely his own. You remember Jesus says, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden. I want to give you rest. So God wants you to rest. God wants me to rest. So if we are prayerful people and we spend time with God, then we will relax and rest knowing that he is powerful. Knowing that he is taking care. Knowing that he will defend us. My house shall be called the house of prayer. Amen. We can end it there. 
Amen.